You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for your support of The Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. It is our first Searching the Scripture of 2023, and we have a new guest this year mm-hmm. in Searching the Scripture in the Lutheran Witness. Our guest this year, Pastor Tony Oliphant, Pastor of Redeemer Lutheran Church in Elmhurst, Illinois. Pastor Oliphant, welcome to The Coffee Hour. Thank you. Great to be here. We are looking forward to digging into Searching the Scripture with you this year, and thanks for accepting the challenge to write these Bible studies and accepting the challenge to to be our guest and be up for working through all this text in 25 minutes. We really appreciate it. What's our theme? What's the text we're going to look at for today? So today we'll be taking a look at Philippians. We'll be introducing ourselves to to this book. It's Philippians 1, verses 1 through 11. So what are we going to explore in this text? What are some of the key highlights we're going to be looking at as we work through these questions? As we take a look at this, we're going to be looking at exactly how Paul is reaching out to the church in Philippi. Typically, we're more familiar with Paul's letters when he's writing to the congregations, when there's some kind of troubling issue that's showing up, usually false teaching, and then some of that will grow out of that false teaching. In the church in Philippi, however, we see him with a very different tone. He's writing mostly as a a way of to thank them for the way that they have supported the church throughout the Mediterranean world. Their generosity is something that's going to show up again and again. His thankfulness to God for the believers in Philippi and the way that they're walking their faith. And we're also going to see the way in which he is... uh, the way in which he's going to continue to pray for them. Typically, when we think about prayer, we're going to think of, you know, it's our natural human instinct to reach out in prayer whenever there's something wrong. But we're going to see this repeated theme in Paul, Paul's writing here of reaching out to God in thankfulness in prayer for the good work that God is doing through the Philippians. And we're also going to see some encouragement to the Philippians to continue in the way that they've been going. So we'll see thankfulness and, and, and encouragement as the main themes of this. Pastor, could you read Philippians 1, 1 to 11 for us? Absolutely. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you with all the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. All right, shall we dig into the questions then? Yeah. All right. Question one. 
Read Paul's opening prayer in Philippians 1, verses 1 through 11, as he usually does what with what blessing does Paul start his letter in verse 2. And then grace is often defined as God's unmerited favor given not because of what we do, but because of what Jesus does. Peace is a broad term and includes the concepts of wholeness, health, rest, and joy. How are God's grace and peace connected when we understand that both come from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ? So, yeah, this opening prayer after Paul, after Paul identifies himself as the author of the letter and talks to the recipients who are going to be reading it in Philippi, his prayer begins with, with a grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, this blessing to the congregation there. And so we have these two, these twin themes that are, that are very often repeated in Paul's letters, this uh, opening blessing as he's getting started in his discussion with each of these congregations. It's the same here in Philippi. We see here this connection of grace and peace because we only have peace because of God's grace. God comes to us first in grace, completely unmerited something that he is doing entirely out of his own nature, out of his own will. And so he's coming to us through our Lord Jesus Christ in grace. And you know, during this last day of Christmas that we're, that we're recording today, the season of Epiphany, that we're going to be looking at all the ways in which our Lord made himself known to us as God, we're going to see this grace that he's doing these things, not because of what we've deserved, but because this is what he wants to do. And it's because of this grace coming to us through Jesus that we actually have this sense of peace. And peace is going to be this big overarching theme that not now we don't have to struggle against God anymore. This is the problem of human nature, our constant inward curving in on ourselves, where we're going to be at odds with God. God tells us something that's good. And we say that we think we, we can find something that's better. But when we have God coming to us in grace, forgiving our sins, healing us, changing us, then we have peace. We have peace with God and we have peace with one another. And these are two themes that are going to be repeated throughout Paul's letter here. Ready for question number two? Yeah. All right. Paul continues in his thanksgiving for the Philippians, saying that he remembers them in his joyful prayers. He even recognizes their partnership in the gospel. The word here for partnership is koinonia, a rich word in the scriptures. It refers to fellowship, sharing, and even being united as one. See how Paul uses this word in these other passages. Write down some ways these uses of the same word can help us understand our unity in the gospel. So 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9, fellowship. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 16, participation. And Philippians 3.10, share. So. In Corinthians, we're going to see this, this term of koinonia, fellowship, participation linked from the beginning of Paul's letter in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9, where he says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And this word fellowship is going to become quite a loaded term in Paul's letter to the Corinthians because he's going to be talking about our connection to one another within the church. Uh, immediately from there, he's going to, so he's going to first lay the groundwork of saying that we are, we have fellowship in Jesus Christ, of course, looking to the forgiveness of sins and the salvation that we all share, the eternal life of, that we have from him. And then he's going to flip right into talking about divisions in the church and how those, sh those should not exist because of the fellowship that we do have in Jesus. Then in first Corinthians 10, 16, we're going to see him talking about the Lord's Supper. 
So he's going to be moving into this discussion about the kind of narrow zooming in on where it is we find these points of fellowship with each other within the church. When he says the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Now, of course, we use this in our catechism as a text indicating that we believe that the Lord's Supper is both bread and body, wine and blood. But Paul also uses this same word here for fellowship, but now we're talking about it as a participation. So our fellowship within the church is not just that you know we all get along and we're nice to each other, but our, particip- our fellowship in the church comes from the fact that we're all receiving the same good things from Christ and we're all bound together as one in him. And this is something that Paul is going to continue to talk about in that Philippians 3.10 passage that we have at the end here, where he says, um, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Now, the word there for sharing in his sufferings is that same word of fellowship. And so this is going to bring a new light, a new light to our understanding of exactly everything that this fellowship, this participation, this being united is going to include not just, you know, good times, but also the fact that we're going to be sharing crosses. We're going to be sharing the cross of Christ in our own lives, just as Christ tells us to take up our our cross and follow him. We're also going to be bearing one another's burdens as well. And this is a theme that as we go on with this study of uh, Philippians together here, that we're going to start to see the Philippians helping carry the cross of their fellow believers throughout the Christian world. Anything else on question two or shall we move on? I think we're set. All right. Question three, read Philippians one verse six. As he gives thanks to God for the good works that the Philippians are doing, Paul also remembers the source of all good works. Who does Paul credit for beginning these works of generosity? Who does he credit for completing them? When does Paul expect to see the fullness of these works? And what does this teach us about our own good works? So Paul writes here, and he does not give us much wiggle room, but he writes, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So we have these different phrases here that show up. But every good work that we're doing is begun by God, that he who began a good work in you, that even just the initiative to do it is coming from God. This teaches us a little bit about our, our our nature as Christians, that we don't we don't try to take claim for anything good that we've done, but we always recognize that even those good things that we're doing after our conversion, after coming to faith, are still coming from God. That this process of conversion or this process of being regenerated is going to be continual. So every good impulse that we have is going to be coming to us from our Lord. And then not only is it just, you know, he he gets us started and then we have to run the rest of the way, know that he who began the good work will bring it to completion. And so from beginning to end, we have God as the one who's doing all of these good things for his church and he's doing it through his church. And so this shows us that even though if we just are looking at the very surface level, it might look like it's just people doing stuff. It's God who's begun the good work and it's God who's keeping it going. And then Paul gives us this interesting insight here at the, at the very end that he'll bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. 
Now, this is a phrase that refers to the return of Christ, the end of time when he returns to raise the, to judge the living and the dead. And so we, we see here that there's this beginning of a, a note of encouragement here, because a lot of times we can do as much as we can, things that we want to do, good things that we want to do for others, but sometimes we don't see the results right away. And that can be a really frustrating thing for a lot of us. You know, you, you keep on trying and trying and trying, and it's just, you can't see the fruit of it. Here, Paul is saying that he knows that he's sure that the good work that the Philippians have begun, that God has begun through the Philippians, excuse me, that it'll be brought to completion at the day of Jesus Christ, that they'll finally see the fullness of it when we have all of history in retrospective. We might not be able to see the full fruit of it now, but we will at the end. And that's a good note of encouragement for us as we continue to work in this world, doing the things that God has called us to do. Our guest today is Pastor Tony Oliphant, pastor of Redeemer Lutheran Church in Elmhurst, Illinois. As we take a look at searching the scripture in the January issue of The Lutheran Witness, we'll continue in just a moment right here on The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others. To live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world. To live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We are in the January issue of The Lutheran Witness today with our guest, Pastor Tony Oliphant, Redeemer Lutheran Church in Elmhurst, Illinois. He has written the Searching the Scripture for this month, I think for the whole year. So Mm -hmm. we are digging into Searching the Scripture. And let's see, where do we, I forgot where we left off. Are we on question four? Is that right? Yes. Yes. I lost track. (laughs) (laughs) So excited about being back in. All right. Question number four. Read Philippians chapter one, verses, verse nine. Paul has a special request in his prayers for the believers in Philippi. What does he pray would abound even more? Why is this an important request? St. Paul is not praying for a generic kind of love or a simple niceness among the Philippians. It has a focus. What two things does he pray for their love to be combined with? All right. So we have this prayer from Paul that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. Now, it's kind of a a trap for us now whenever we hear the word love to just think Mm -hmm. in very generic kind of cultural terms, Valentine's Day type of stuff. But we have this very specific focus to Paul's word of love here. We're going to connect it with the idea of the good work that they've already begun or that God has begun in them. See how easy it is to fall into that kind of just language there. But to but the the love of the good works that are being done through the church in Philip. But then we're going to see it connected with this with these ideas of knowledge and all discernment, so that their love would actually have this focus that they would increase in love for the saints and in increasing in their love for the saints throughout the Christian world as they're as they're sending gifts to congregations throughout. Um, 
we're going to see that this is going to actually increase their knowledge, their understanding, and their discernment of being able to tell what is what is good and what is evil or what is bad, what's helpful and what's unhelpful for the church. And so we're going to see that this that Paul is praying that their love would abound more so that their understanding would abound more, that these things are, it's not just going to be kind of this undirected, warm, fuzzy feel, but it's going to be love that has hands and feet. And it's, it's going to the places that God is directing it to go to. Mm-hmm. Question five. Yeah. All right. Read Philippians 1 verse 10. Paul asks for this powerful combination in his prayer for the Philippians so that they would be able to do something important. What would he like for them to be able to do? Read Titus 3 verses 4 through 8. What excellent things does God, does Paul list in these verses that he would like Christians to approve of? All right. So we we have this, this prayer here that their love would abound so that more and more that they would have knowledge and all discernment to the end for the purpose that they may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. And so we would like that we and Paul, we can, we can be in agreement with Paul on this, that, that the Philippians and that all Christians would be able to approve what is excellent. And this is, this is a very specific term here that it's not just things that are, you know, that are really, really good, but these are those things that actually make for a good godly life. But Paul wants them to be able to approve of those things that God approves of those highest things. And so that they would be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, that they would be ready for the return of Christ when he comes to to judge the living and the dead, as we say in the creed, that they would be prepared for it, that God would be preparing them for it. We see this idea repeated in Titus 3, where Paul writes, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs of the hope of eternal, heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. And this is where we see the connection to Philippians, these things are excellent and profitable for people. And so these are the things that are actually going to benefit us as we are moving closer and closer to, to the end, that we would be able to benefit all of those who God has placed around us. Question number six, read the end of Philippians 1 verse 10 again. When will the purity of our righteousness in Jesus be made visible? It's so it's those last words, the day of Christ. This is something that Paul touched on before when he said, this is when we actually see the fullness of those good works that God is beginning in us now. This is also when we see our purity and our blamelessness in Jesus. That if we look at our, if we look at ourselves right now, all we're going to see is humans with our own frailty. Our sinful nature is going to keep on popping its head up, but at the day of Christ, at the end, we will be completely pure. We'll be free of original sin, free of death, and we'll uh, we'll be able to see ourselves as God sees us now in Christ. All right, last question, question seven. Read Philippians 1 verse 11. Paul speaks of the fruit of righteousness. Now read Galatians 5 verses 22 and 23. 
what is this fruit? In Philippians, Paul reminds us again of where this fruit comes from. What is the source and what is the purpose of this fruit? All right. So in Philippians 1.11, Paul's praying that they would be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So I'm going to go for the last question there first. That the whole reason that he's asking that the Philippians would bear fruit would be to the glory and praise of God. Now, this is not just worshiping God because, because of some kind of vague attribute that deserves worship from us. But Paul wants the fruit of righteousness to be demonstrated in the Philippians so that, yes, the Philippians themselves would, would glorify and praise God, but also so that others would see them and that they would also be turned to the same God, that those who are outside of the church would be able to look at what God is doing through the Philippians and that they would also be turned that they would be converted and baptized and be brought into that fellowship that Paul has already been talking about in this introduction. In Galatians 5, we have that list of the fruit of the Spirit that, that we're hopefully all familiar with. Love, joy, peace, okay. patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so this is an idea that Paul is bringing up constantly, that those good works that we have, all of these, these wonderful things that the Holy Spirit works in us, that they are, that that's fruit of faith, that that's, that's, that's when faith, you know, intersects with our lives and we bear these, we bear this fruit according to God's good, according to God's good pleasure and his good timing and that we always give credit to him for that. In, would you like to give a summary of, or, or, or any final thoughts on our text from Philippians 1 today? That if we're going to... That thankfulness is a good thing for us to have. When we take a look at what Paul is doing here, he's giving thanks for the encouragement that he's receiving by looking at what God is doing through the church in Philippi. It can be kind of frustrating if we just take a look at the world that we might wonder, you know, what is God doing? Are things going off the rails terribly? But we see here, Paul is actually finding a lot of encouragement in what God is doing through the church in Philippi. We'll talk a lot more about the community at Philippi as we go through this study, but, but Paul's finding encouragement himself. And because he can see the good that God is doing there, he's going to continue the, to encourage the Philippians. And I think that's something that we can do a really good, that I think we could do a better job of in our church today, encouraging one another when we see something good happen and being thankful to God for everything that he's doing through the believers that we know. Very good. And what can we look forward to next month? So next month, we'll be taking a look at how at the setting that Paul is writing, you know, we, we're talking about Paul's thankfulness. The Where he's writing from is actually going to be very surprising for us because we're not going to think about thankfulness in the particular context that Paul finds himself writing this letter. So this will hopefully help us get a little bit of perspective and rethink the way that we think about thankfulness, blessing, things like that. Pastor Tony Oliphant of Redeemer Lutheran Church in Elmhurst, Illinois. Thank you for helping us search the scripture today. My pleasure. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Eddie Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere.